Make Walters your spot for this NFL season. All indoor TVs are preset and are first come, first serve. They're proud to show every NFL game every week. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Now the pitch, swing and a belt to deep center field. Jacob Young moving back, backpedaling to the track at the wall, and it's gone. Goodbye. Into the Pirates' bullpen. Beyond the wall to the left of dead center. And a big fly for the former National. With a hold of a 95-mile-an-hour fastball from Adone. The Pirates lead it by the score of 2 to nothing. It'll be a 2-2 pitch. Here it comes. Swing a line drive right side, base hit into right field. Vargas being waved in. Palacios throw toward the plate on the fly. The dive of the tag for the catcher, and he's out. Vargas is saying challenge, but he's out to retire the side. And the inning over in the top of the seventh with Vargas gunned down on the fly by Palacios. And welcome to Nats Chat for Wednesday, September 13th. 2023, along with MassInSports.com, Nationals insider Mark Zuckerman. I'm Al Galdi, host of the Al Galdi podcast. The Nats now have as many losses over the team's last 15 games as the team had over its previous 34 games. The Nats now are just 4-11 and over their last 15 games. The Nats over their previous 34 games went 23-11. and Tuesday evening, a 5-1 loss at the Pittsburgh Pirates in Game 2 of a four-game series. But Game 3 of this series just got a lot more interesting. What we thought might be the case will be the case. Starting pitcher Jackson Rutledge is going to make his major league debut on Wednesday evening. Nats manager Davey Martinez confirmed this during his postgame session with reporters on Tuesday night. Jackson Rutledge, he per MLB Pipeline, is the number 13 prospect in the Nats organization this season, his age 24 season. Nats took him with the number 17 overall pick in the 2019 MLB draft. Mark Jackson Rutledge being called up. This adds some juice to the rest of this Nat season, which uh, right now is in dire need of some juice. Yeah, you could say that again. It's gotten a little stale here lately, I think. And it'll be nice to see him now. I don't know what to reasonably expect from him. We're not talking Cade Cavalli in that here's a guy who's been dominating in the minor leagues and has the potential to come up here and instantly be an ace. But as you said, former first round pick in 2019, it's been a longer road than he or the organization would have liked, but he has earned his way up here slowly, but surely he's gotten better. The overall stats, when you look at them this year in the minors, they don't blow you away. Better at double A than he was at triple A, but good strikeout rate for the most part. Walks have been a bit of an issue for him. He pitched better here down the stretch. 
And I think the thing that I heard from everybody more than anything else is just the idea that he's ready. He looks like he's ready. And I think it's a calculated move to call him up at this time against the Pirates, who I know they won this game. and I know they had a lot of base runners, but they probably should have scored about 12 runs in this game instead of the five that they did score. So that's not the most imposing lineup that Jackson Rutledge could face in his major league debut. So I think it's a good spot for that to happen. I'm interested to see. And if nothing else, this is an organizational win for an organization that has not had enough of them, especially in the pitching department. And no matter how he does, just the fact that he is getting called up and is big league ready and has earned his way up here, I think is a significant success story for them. And they've needed one of those. Yeah, I mean, you could look at this in two ways. One way would be he was a first-round pick in 2019, a top-20 pick in 2019, and he's only now making his major league debut. On the other hand, he lost his way. His 2021 and 2022 seasons were filled with injury and ineffectiveness, and he was one of those guys you looked at when we would talk about the Nats' bad drafting and player development who you said – well, what about this guy? Like, where is he? What's happening with him? So the fact that he has gotten back on track this season, pitched well for Double A Harrisburg, got promoted to Triple A Rochester on June 28th. Like you said, overall numbers for Rochester, not very good, although he ended his tenure with Rochester pretty well. Last six starts, ERA of 364. It is exciting. And, you know, again, we're sort of grasping at whatever right now because the Nats are not playing well. And, you know, the season is winding down here. He's a big guy. Uh, he's listed as being 6'8", 251 pounds. The product of San Jacinto College, a public community college in Texas. So we've had the conversation recently about the Nats 2024 rotation. Safe to say that this is an audition for Jackson Rutledge for making the season opening rotation for next season. I mean, this is not going to be a go on a dome 2021 situation. Rutledge figures to make multiple starts down the stretch here. You don't want to put too much into a handful of starts, but it would seem if he does really well, that would bode well for him beginning next season in the major league rotation. A couple of decent starts or to look like he is ready would certainly put him right in the mix with some of those other guys for a spot. Now, he's not going to be assured of anything. I think there are others that would merit being ahead of him, probably Jake Irvin first and foremost, but you could probably put him in the same class as a Dome where you'd say, okay, if there's one spot available, you want to look at both of them next spring and see who it could be. I think it depends how he does here, how not just the performance, but how does he react to being in the big leagues? Does he look like a big leaguer? Is he able to make adjustments to the big league level and big league hitters? Can he give them some length? They've actually been very careful with him. I'm looking at all his game logs from this year. He's only reached 100 pitches once He's only topped 90 pitches a couple of other times, so it's mostly been in the 80s. He's thrown a lot of innings, and that's obviously something that they're going to be careful with. So yeah, he's not super young. He's 24 years old, but I do think they want to be a little cautious with him. So I could see a scenario where if he doesn't you know, wow them, where they say, hey, let's start you back at AAA, a few starts there, we can monitor your innings, and then eventually you look like you're ready and you come up. We'll see. I mean- we're getting way ahead of ourselves here, but I think the most fascinating storyline next spring from a pitching standpoint could be young starters like Jackson Rutledge, like Joanna Doan. Cavalli won't be in the mix, I don't think, because I think they're going to purposely hold him back. But if you have a choice at the end of camp between the young guys or Patrick Corbin, Trevor Williams, those kind of guys, where do they go? You know, my instinct is to say they would start out with the veterans just based on experience and contracts and all those other reasons that we know are not good reasons necessarily to make those decisions. But I think they would start that way 
let those guys pitch their way out of those jobs and then call up the kids. But I do think it'll be interesting if one of those young guys really looked impressive in the spring and you know those veterans, you know, what they've been and maybe they don't have a great spring either. I think it could be a pretty interesting discussion come next uh, March. There obviously are service time considerations with young players, but just from purely like how you want this to go, it would be awesome if next year the Nats could begin the season or at least very early in the season have as four-fifths of the rotation, Gore, Gray, Irvin, and Rutledge. And then you have another guy, either Trevor Williams or Patrick Corbin as your placeholder for Cade Cavalli. Like, I think if you could script this out, that's how you would script it out. And I don't think it's that far-fetched, although obviously some things would have to break right in that regard. I just hope in February, you know, you can no longer write your annual piece of Joe Ross versus Eric Fetty versus Austin Voth, but maybe you can write a piece about Patrick Corbin versus Trevor Williams. Maybe that can become the new Ross versus Fetty versus Voth in terms of guys battling for a spot in the Nats rotation. All those other guys are probably still going to be available, by the way. Austin Voth is currently unemployed. Joe Ross, I don't think he's still trying to come back from surgery. And Eric Fetty has dominated in Korea and maybe looking to get back to America. So if they want to go back to that route, they can create the three-way competition yet again next spring. I don't think they will, though. Well, I hope like 10 years from now, we can do a reunion with those three guys. Maybe they can all (laughs) join an episode of the Nats Chat podcast in a decade and we could have some fun. So if you were to rank young Nats starting pitchers in terms of upside, Mackenzie Gore clearly would be number one. You know, you have someone like a Harleen Susana who's so young, but there's a lot of upside there. If you had to compare the upside, though, of Josiah Gray and Jackson Rutledge, who do you think the Nats internally would say has the greater upside between those two? That's a real good question. I hadn't considered it like that. And obviously, one of them has some considerable big league experience now. The other one doesn't. So it's hard to know until he makes it up here. Rutledge had the higher pedigree, at least at the outset, like you said, number 17 overall pick. But the performance to date has not suggested that he is elite. He has not been a top 100 prospect, at least not in a while. Whereas, you know, Josiah Gray, remember at the time of the trade, was viewed at as a, a fairly, you know, not elite, but decent prospect that they were getting. So I would guess they would probably still view Josiah Gray in that regard, but they probably still have some hope for Rutledge. In my mind, I think they're still looking at him as a mid to back of the rotation starter at this point. Doesn't mean he can't ascend to that, but he's got to show this. There's nothing on the resume that stands out and say, oh, wow, he was just dominating at that level. Or boy, he gives up runs, but his strikeout total is super high. You know, So I think he may be a little more polished because he's been around a while now, came out of a college, and you know he's got some tread on the tires. So you know, I think he's going to know what he's doing as a pitcher when he gets up here. I think he's got good stuff from what I remember from him when I've seen him pitch in the past and a big guy, like you said, 6'8", but he's still got to show that he can put it all together. Walks are an issue for him, but we know it's walks are an issue for Josiah Gray. My sense would be that internally the Nats look at Goran Cavalli as your one and two, hopefully moving forward. And then Gray as like a three, maybe Irvin having shown that he could be that. I would have said coming into the season, Rutledge probably profiled higher than Irvin, but look what Jake has done to show that maybe he can be more than that. So I think I'd put Rutledge in that same category of they probably have a little lower expectations just because of his path to get here, what it's been. But there is that potential in there. 
obviously he was highly touted all along, has good stuff as the physical makeup and everything else that he could ascend to it. We just have to actually see it before anybody can say definitively that they think he can live up to that. So we will have Jackson Rutledge on Wednesday evening and when it came to what we had on Tuesday evening. So, of course, a big problem for the Nats during this stretch of 11 losses in 15 games has been the starting pitching. The Nats starting pitcher on Tuesday evening was Yon Adone. He, in his latest stint at the major league level, has been really hit and miss. When he has been good, he has been quite good. When he has been bad, he has been not so good. And uh, that trend did continue on Tuesday evening. Yohan Adone in this 5-1 loss at the Pirates allowed four runs in four innings. Keep in mind, the Pirates are one of the poor hitting teams in the majors this season. But Adone against the old Buckos on Tuesday evening gave up eight hits, a two-run homer, two doubles, and five singles. He issued a whopping six walks, one of which was intentional. But this game was something Four Nats pitchers ended up combining to allow 10 walks in the game. Now, there were four intentional walks in the game, so that does sort of skew things a bit. But still, Yohan Adone, six walks, five unintentional walks over four innings on Tuesday evening. Did record four strikeouts, but he ended up over his mere four innings throwing 93 pitches, 57 strikes versus 36 balls. Adone put at least two men on base in every inning in which he pitched. And as for the home run <laughs> that Yoan Adone allowed, bottom of the second, gave up a two-run homer by Joshua Palacios to center field for a 2-0 Pirates lead. Yes, the ex-Nat Joshua Palacios, the Pirates AAA affiliate Indianapolis, it this past December actually claimed Palacios off waivers from the Nats AA affiliate, the Harrisburg Senators, the Nats in April of 2022 had claimed Palacios off waivers from Toronto. But Palacios in this game on Tuesday evening, quite good. Two for four with the two-run homer, a single, a stolen base, and an outfield assist throughout Ildemaro Vargas at home. I don't know that many people had this on the old bingo card, but uh, Joshua Palacios did quite well on Tuesday evening, and Joanna Doan did not do so well. I don't know who that guy was playing for the Pirates on this night. It's not the guy that we saw last August and September in D.C. Good for him for turning things around in his career. I mean, he didn't get a lot of opportunities here, but when he did, there was not a whole lot to talk about or get excited about. He was the other one called up the same day as Joey Manessis on trade deadline day and technically was the one who replaced Soto because Manessis was at first base initially until Luke Voigt arrived. So. They kind of came in together, and, and boy, those two careers have gone very different paths at this point. It worked out for Manessis, not so much for Palacios, at least not in D.C. You said claimed off waivers. is actually even more bizarre than that. So after the year, the Nats dropped him from their 40-man roster. And because of that, he was unprotected in the Rule 5 draft. The Pirates selected him in the minor league portion of the Rule 5 draft. I'm getting deep in the weeds here, but it's different than the Major League Rule 5 draft, like the Thad Ward pick. This is below that, where you take a player off a team's minor league roster and you have to keep them at AAA for the season, or in this case, call him up and look what he's done for them. So good for him. Also, his brother, who's playing for the Cardinals, hit a home run on Tuesday night. So both of them homered. Good for the two homers. So there you go. Quite a night for the Palacios family, but we're not talking about them. Let's go to Yoan Adone here. You can see in his case, maybe more than anybody else on the staff, aside from, I guess, maybe Josiah Gray, he has to throw strikes to have a chance. When he's not in the strike zone, he has no chance. The stuff is really good, but if he can't command it and he falls behind or starts walking batters, 
there is no success for him. You saw the stat, I think, during the broadcast, opposing batting average when he's ahead in the count versus behind the count. It's dramatically different. And of course, it's it's different for everyone. It's going to be better when you're ahead of the count. But in his case, it seemed to be extremely different from one to the other. He has to throw strikes and get ahead in the count. He worked so hard, had to throw so many pitches, gave up the four runs, and it felt like he should have given up about seven or eight, to be honest. And, you know, he made a few pitches when he needed to. The Pirates did not deliver. They were two for 12 with runners in scoring position in the game. But it starts like this that remind you that Yoan Adone, while there are some really nice moments along the way that you get excited about, he is very much a raw product out there. And unless he can put it together and find some semblance of consistency, his path to, to staying up here is not going to be that great. Yeah. I mean, the lack of consistency really is something. You talk about high variance. So he now in this latest go-round at the major league level has made seven starts. He in three of the starts has been good. Five runs in 17 innings, including twice teasing, throwing a no-hitter. He in the other four starts has allowed 17 runs in 16 innings. I mean, he either has been lights out or close to that or just like wretched and uh, <laughs> I mean, there's no middle ground, it feels like, with this guy. I mean, you think about someone like Yohan Adone, and he's got good stuff when he's on. And so you say to yourself, well, if he doesn't make it as a starter, maybe this is one of those guys who you could convert into a reliever. But he can't find the strike zone sometimes. So how could you ever convert him into a reliever? It kind of feels like with Adone, he either makes it as a starter or he doesn't make it. Right. A lot of times, those guys you're talking about that they convert into a reliever, they're good one time through the lineup, and then all of a sudden by the fourth, the fifth inning, it all falls apart for them. That's not really what his case has been. You kind of know right away, does he have it or not? And certainly that was the case in this game. So yeah, I agree. I think his future is either as a starter or he's going to be stuck at AAA for a while until he runs out of options. You know, not going to give up on him. He's still going to get some more opportunities here down the stretch. But it's kind of maddening because you can see there's something there. It's just not coming through nearly with enough regularity. And I mean, boy, that set the tone. 93 pitches in four innings. And this was a theme across the entire game. You had the Nationals pitching staff as a total through 151 pitches. And remember, they only had to throw eight innings. The Pirates didn't have to bat in the bottom of the ninth. So they threw 151. The Pirates pitching staff threw 108 in the full nine innings. It shows you just how much Nationals pitchers, starters and relievers have had to work and how many walks and how that can impact the whole game. And I think it also shows you as we'll get to the lineup, how they have not done a great job at working the count and have gone through some really quick innings and allowed opposing pitchers to keep their pitch counts quite low. Yeah, this game on Tuesday evening lasted for two hours, 22 minutes, despite Nats pitchers throwing as many pitches as the pitchers did. Hey guys, it's Al Galdi here to tell you about another great deal being offered right now by Window Nation to listeners of the Nats Chat Podcast. Window Nation is offering you even more. When it comes to new windows, Window Nation always gives you more, but now Window Nation is giving you even more, more. <laughs> the more windows that you buy, the more that you save up to 50% off, plus a lot more. Pay nothing for two full years. Another amazing deal on the great windows that Window Nation can provide to listeners of the Nats Chat Podcast. Save up to 50% with the purchase of a house of windows. You know, even given what has been happening with interest and mortgage rates, Window Nation still is keeping 0% interest for two years. 
Call 866-90NATION or visit windownation.com. That's 866-90NATION or windownation.com and tell Window Nation that you want the great deal that you heard about from Al Galdi on the Nats Chat Podcast. Again, the more windows that you buy, the more that you save up to 50% off, plus you pay nothing for two full years. That's 866-90NATION or windownation.com. And make sure that you tell Window Nation that Al Galdi from the Nats Chat Podcast sent you. Given the Hollywood strike, SNL might not be coming back anytime soon. If you need your weekend update fix, then the GameTime app has you covered. GameTime will help you get those tickets to see Colin Jost and Michael Che this Friday night at DAR downtown. GameTime is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And listeners, download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code NATSCHAT for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code NATSCHAT for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Here's your Dylan Cruz update for the game played Tuesday evening in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Big game for Cruz. A pair of hits, including a double while hitting second and playing center field. Robert Hassel III came through with three hits from the leadoff spot. The Senators emerged victorious over the Bowie Bay Sox 5-4. Now back to Mark and Al. 1-0 pitch. Swing a line drive, left field, that's a base hit. Ruiz scores. They're going to hold Manessis at third as Reynolds' throw-in is cut off by Brian Hayes. RBI single, Ildemaro Vargas, and the Nats on the board. It's 2-1 Pittsburgh here in the fourth. The Nats on Tuesday evening, just one run, a total of just six hits, and uh, a working of just two walks. Nats did go two for four with runners in scoring position, but the six hits were comprised of two doubles and four singles. You also had the Nats making multiple outs on the base pass, including what I mentioned earlier with Ildemaro Vargas. Now, Vargas is credit on Tuesday evening as the Nats starting second baseman and number five batter. To give you a sense of where the Nats are right now in terms of the lineup potency, Vargas is batting fifth. Did go two for four with a double and an RBI single, but he in the top of the seventh off the one-out double thrown out at home on a Dominic Smith two-out single to right field as the Pirates right fielder, the uh, aforementioned ex-nat, the new Roberto Clemente apparently, Joshua Palacios, a great no-hop throw for an outfield assist in getting Vargas out at home. 
for the third out. Did you have a problem with Vargas trying to score right there? So I think this is one of those where if you just look at it in the moment and you say where the runner is and where the ball is, is this a good idea to try to score it? You say probably not. However, I think you look at the context of it and where they were in the game and who was coming up. It's two outs. You have Alex Call coming up, not a good hitter, as I think we're going to get to here in a little bit. I'd like to discuss how much he has struggled in every facet of the game. And so I understand Gary DeSarcina's aggressiveness there. And while it's one of those that you would say, just as you're watching it live, oh, no, that's too risky. I think in that case, it was probably a higher percentage chance of him scoring, even if it was only 30 or 40 percent chance of scoring. I think there was a higher percent of that happening than of him scoring as a result of the next batter. And that's not a good place to be, unfortunately, but I think that's where DeSarcina's mind potentially was in that moment. And so I'm, I'm okay with the gamble. I don't think either of those, sending him or holding him, I don't think either of them was a particularly good option. Vargas had a multi-hit game. Joey Manessis was the only other Nat who had a multi-hit game on Tuesday evening. He is an Nat starting DH and number four batter, two for four with a double and a single. You know, it was something looking at this lineup. I mean, I mentioned Vargas being the number five batter. We are now pretty well deep into September. The Nats are playing out the string. You had on Tuesday evening, Ildemaro Vargas as the starting second baseman, Dominic Smith as a starting first baseman, Alex Cole as a starting left fielder. I understand that, you know, you have these guys on the team. You're not going to bench them the rest of the season. Dominic Smith has been hitting, you know, pretty well lately. He had a big game in game one of this series. And like I said, Vargas did have a couple of hits on Tuesday evening. But I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't have much of an appetite to see these guys out there at this point in the season. The season is in its dying days. You're rebuilding team. Most, if not all of those guys who I just mentioned will not be back with the team next season. Give me Jake Alou. Give me Travis Blankenhorn. Even if they don't, you know, fit the matchups that are appropriate for that game. Like, I think it's okay. At this point, you can let your hair down a little bit and just put out the kids and just let us see them and let them grind and, you know, let them struggle or let them work their way through their struggles. I, I don't know why we need to be seeing these guys at this point in the season. It's one thing to do this in August when you're having a nice month and these guys are contributing, but the season is ending. The team is not doing well. Like I said, most if not all of these guys will be gone next year. I don't think we need to see much of them at all at this point. And I don't really get why we are seeing them at this point. I don't disagree with you. I think the problem is that you look at the alternatives and we're not talking about anybody who really is like, oh, they have to see more. They've got to play this guy. Maybe Jake Alou, you want to get more of a sense of him. They do seem to be keeping him from going lefty on lefty. I mean, honestly, I think you can make a case for Luis Garcia just to play even against lefties. What do you have to lose at this point? You don't really need to see Vargas out there. But some of the kids they are playing, Carter Keyboom is not hitting at all, and he's getting a good amount of chances to play. So that one's not working out. Jacob Young's done a decent job, and he is getting a chance to play every day. But I mean, Travis Blankenhorn is not really a prospect or anybody. When you look at who the other outfielders are that are coming, it's going to be hard for him to force his way in there. I think a couple things here. I think we're seeing really how much they miss, believe it or not, Stone Garrett and Riley Adams, who while not perfect hitters and certainly have some flaws, were more of a potent bat to have hitting fifth or sixth in a lineup than some of the guys they're putting out there right now. So I think that is one of the issues. I think 
they really are just trying to play this out right now, and there's not a lot of great options. Yeah, I would rather see Garcia and Alou probably than some of the others. I will say, I don't want to beat up on the guy, but I kind of feel like I've seen everything I need to see of Alex Call at this point. He has had more than ample opportunity to play for them, and he really, in all facets of the game, is kind of hurting them right now. At the plate, he's hitting 195 with a 593 OPS. And that's over a lot of plate appearances this year. On the bases, he's making bad decisions. He's nine for 17 on stolen base attempts this year. You can't do that. If you're getting thrown out that much, then you are running way too much. And the one in this game felt so egregious. Like he thought he hit no double play. They reviewed it. He was safe. And it was almost like, okay, well, now I'll show you. Not only did I get, was I actually safe at first, I'm going to try to take second too. And he just gets thrown out. And the throw beat him. And then he overslid the base and was tagged anyways. So multiple mistakes there. And then he had a bad play in left field as well, calling off C.J. Abrams, who seemed to have a better chance at catching a pop-up. And this is not the first time we've seen any of these things. So I get that circumstances, most notably Victor Robles' injury, kind of forced call into the lineup. And while he's done a few nice things for them at times and can work a decent at bat and get on base at times, he really is pressing right now and trying to make things happen, and it's not working. He's actually making things worse with how hard he's trying to play. Yeah, I don't disagree at all with what you said. I just think there needs to be almost a forcing of playing. Again, I know they're not like high-level prospects, but Jake Alou, put him out there. Alou is yet to start a game in this series. Like, why? Okay, this is a four-game series at the Pirates in the middle of September in a season in which you're rebuilding and are one of the worst teams in the National League. Like, play Jake Alou every game in the series, okay? Let's see him instead of bringing him off the bench. So I don't quite get that. Well, here's some uh, happier news. The second annual Nats Chat Podcast Party. We told you about this a few weeks ago, taking place Friday, October 13th at the home base of the Nats Chat Podcast, Walters, the best sports bar in Washington, D.C. We are happy to announce that the party will be happening 6.30 to 8.30, Friday night, October 13th at Walters. So prepare yourself. We have alerted the D.C. police that the party is happening. Last year, some things happened, okay? Some things perhaps got out of hand, but it was a memorable night for all kinds of reasons. I think some marriages may have ended, but that's uh, neither here nor there. But the second annual Nats Chat Podcast Party at Walters, Friday night, October 13th, 6.30 to 8.30, and uh, should be a lot of fun once again. So a couple weeks ago when we first announced we were holding this, I made the point like, hey, what if the Nats are actually playing that night? with a miracle playoff run. I think it's safe to say now that's not going to happen. The events of the last couple of weeks have killed whatever slim hope there was for that. But there will be playoff baseball on. We did it last year. We were watching a couple of the games and chatting with fans and had a great time. It was so great to put faces to the names that we hear from and just to see who the people are that listen to us every day. And it's a sizable group. You guys have been great. You are loyal through thick and thin, good and bad. And you came to us with great questions, great discussion. We had a, such a good time that Al and I barely had a chance to talk to each other that night because we were consumed with talking to all of you. So we would love to have a similar, if not bigger turnout this year. And we hope you can all make it on the 13th. And um, you don't have to worry about missing a Nats game, I don't think, on that. <laughs> no, probably not. I mean, the unspoken tension between you and I is also part of why we didn't speak much that night. True. At true. the party. 
This is all an act. Everything we're doing here <laughs> yeah. during the podcast, behind the scenes, you have no idea. We're at each other's throats. Yeah. But no, it was awesome. We had a great turnout. We're looking forward to seeing everyone this year. A lot of good Nationals conversation. Just a lot of fun hanging out with people on a Friday night at, again, a great spot in Walters. So definitely come by if you can. Friday night, October 13th, starting at 6.30. Hit us up on Twitter at Nats underscore chat. You can email the show, Podcast at gmail.com. We tell you all the time about our website, natschatpodcast.com, in which you can buy a Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt. A salute to Jonathan Prather, or Prather. He tweeted out a photo of himself at PNC Park wearing proudly his Nats Chat Podcast t-shirt, so we appreciate that. And he wrote in the tweet, first time at PNC, 10 out of 10 would definitely recommend. Yeah, PNC Park is uh, outstanding. Gorgeous ballpark. All Nationals radio highlights on Nats Chat are courtesy of 106.7 The Fan. Thank you to Tim Newmark for the Nats Chat podcast music. Visit timnewmark.com. Next up for the Nats, Game 3 at the Pirates, Wednesday evening at 635. Jackson Rutledge will make his Major League debut. For Mark Zuckerman, I'm Al Galdi. We thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time on the Nats Chat podcast. Check him second. We'll move to third by Cabrera. The pitch, Wells the swing and a miss. Strikes out on three pitches. Sixth strikeout today by Jackson Rutledge. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.